This morning's scripture reading comes from Luke chapter 10, verses 1, 9, and 16. Please follow along in your own Bibles or as the text is presented on the screens above. I'll be reading from the New International Version today. After this, the Lord appointed seven, two, others, and sent them to buy to ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or a sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, Peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the work deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. 8. When you enter a town and are welcome, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, The kingdom of God has come near you. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. Our lives can be so fragmented, disrupted, torn apart and splintered. We can be so out of sync with the deepest parts of who we are and what we really long for. But there's truth that centers us, aligns us, and connects us in ways that we don't expect. The words of Jesus truth and life. In him we find a new way to be human, a new way to live. Sink. Hey, when I was in, in uh, my mid-twenties, I came to Christ, and with, uh, within a year of that, I had a, an encounter with an old drinking buddy. And um, I, I told him that I had uh, become a Christian. I told him about this change in my life. And ever had one of those moments where when you're um, trying to say something, but the other person thinks you're kidding? And it's really awkward because you have to correct their kidding. And I uh, said, no, this is, this is real for me. And, um, you know, kind of pause and... Hey, how are the Seahawks doing, you know, or whatever you go next? I don't remember where we went next, but it was really one of those awkward moments. Now, 10 years later, fast forward, I was sitting in a restaurant and, uh, in my business days, and um, he came up to me, this guy, and he wanted me to know that um, he had uh, struggled with alcohol and that God had been uh, his strength as he had worked through that. Not so awkward. It was. It opened up a conversation, and um, it's a wonderful thing. Now, so I want to. I, I want to take that story, and we'll, we'll, you'll see how it works out in the words of Jesus. We're, we're in this series called um, in, or Sync, aligning our lives with the words of Jesus, and it's not easy to um, get our lives in line with Jesus's words. We all. Uh, in some ways come up short. We're all in process. Uh, This is a very clear uh, imperative from Jesus uh, that we are to be people who share the good news. And of all of these things that we've been looking at, these kind of clear directives from Jesus, our Lord, that's what we call him, our Lord, which means we'll do what you say, 
uh, regardless of the cost, Lord. Uh, this one might be the hardest because of the age that we live in or, or the, the way we carry this question with us. And so some of the other things we've done, like uh, go and love your enemies, uh, some of us might find that easier than go and share the good news with someone. Or go and forgive that person that you have anger against might be easier than this. Or go and neighbor, which is where we were last week. So, uh, but it is an essential part of living in sync. I want to get three questions up on the screen for you. This will be our outline this morning. What does the text say? What does this look like in our lives? And I'm going to have um, Lori Bunnell has three friends that she's going to, that's why these chairs are up here, and they're going to um, help us see what, what it looks like. And then we'll close with that question what do we do about that? So. Uh, we'll start. I want to read the text and just walk through these verses with you. We're going to start with verse one, in which says, "After this, the Lord appointed seventy-two others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go." So the, he's sending them out in advance, uh, in advance force in front of of him, and then he will go to these places. And the word others there is, it it should catch your ear as you hear it. What does that mean? And it refers back to chapter 9, the previous chapter in Luke, where it says that he sent out 12, the 12. Now, the number 12 is significant to Seahawk fans, right? Am I right? Okay, so pay attention. And uh, there's... uh, the 12 were known as the, the new Israel. So the orig, original Israel had 12 tribes, and now there's 12, these 12 disciples or apostles who represent the new Israel. God is doing something new. And then 72. So he's sending out 72. That number in the Bible is significant too. So commentators tell us that 72 is the number used in the book of Genesis to describe the number of nations on the earth at that time, back in when Genesis was written, it's called the Table of Nations. And so the implication is, the hint is, that these 72 are uh, kind of a uh, precursor to the gospel going into all the earth, to every nation, which we find in Matthew, what we call the Great Commission. And the second thing you find in there is that the first, the 12, they were... uh, the elite force, and you might say, they have that title, disciples, or and then apostles, and these are the ones that Jesus chose to be the foundation for his church. And we might think, oh, they're the clergy, but the seventy-two, these are just these are regular followers. And I want to try to make this point: they're like you and me. These are people that were working places and live in neighborhoods, and they too are given the task of taking the gospel out to wherever. So I want you to hear that, okay? That's why the number 72 is significant here. And then in verse 2, uh, reading, reading that, Jesus gives his, um, his words to them. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Uh, to think of, the, of what a harvest is, and so it's an agricultural term, but what it means is there's a window of opportunity. And it's, it's, if you get it too soon, uh, which would have been before Jesus, then it's not ripe yet, and it's not going to be fruitful. But if you get it too late, what happens in a harvest if it's too late? The crop spoils, or it's not the, the window of opportunity is over. So there's an urgency to Jesus's words. Now is the time. He's he's saying, and the harvest is plentiful. Uh, what he, we're going to qualify that, and he's going to qualify that in just a second, verse three. But he wants he wants the workers to know that you're going to be received by people. Uh, 
as you go. There's going to be people out there who are just going to eat up what you're saying as you take this good news out to them. They're ready for it. They may not look ready for it, but they are ready for it. They are tired of their self-managed lives. They are tired of trying to do, you know, self-improvement plans. They are tired of anxiety, tired of addiction. There's that little refrain that goes on in the hearts of every human being, really, that says, there must be something more. I hope there is something more than what, what I am experiencing. And, and as a human being and as a Christ follower, you know that voice. I mean, and it's what, it, what brings us back to Jesus if we, if we know Jesus. There must be something more. So Jesus is saying that's, it's out there. Feel good about it as you go. Go for it. And then he gives us this qualifier, which is in verse 3. He says, go. Hey, there you go. This, this, there you go. Go. This word, it just keeps coming up in these, in these uh, passages. Last week it was go and do likewise to the, uh, the man who asked the story about who's my neighbor. And we've run into this word a number of times. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Well, that's not so good <laughs> if you think about it. So just imagine a little lamby out here, and, he, and there's just a bunch of wolves. Just, I mean, just think about what that looks like. It's going to be a bloodbath. So um, here, here it is. It's going to be really good, and it's going to be really hard. That's what Jesus is saying. Now, if I can just give you a clue here, what wolf speak might look like in our day, at least, at least as I experience it, is people saying to you, and these are, these are nice people mostly, so I'm not, don't, don't hear me wrong, I'm not, I'm not saying they're wolves, but the voice of the, of the wolf today is, is it cultivated in a, um, a more sophisticated way. It is, hey, uh, I am so glad that you found your religion or whatever, and kind of a pat on the head there, and glad for you, and belief is fine for you, but don't take what you believe and impose it on somebody else as if that is an absolute truth for all. That's the message that is frequently heard in our culture. And you can go, um, there's a logical uh, or an illogical loop there because what there, if you look where that statement is coming from, it is coming from a place of an absolute truth, which is the view that there is no such thing as an absolute truth. That's an absolute statement. So there's a, there's a loop there, but usually you don't have time to try to do a philosophical correction in those moments, and it does kind of just shut things down. Um, so you do run into these, these barriers as you try to uh, share what is to you the most important thing ever, right? And this life-giving message of the kingdom of God in Jesus Christ. In verse 4, um, Jesus says, don't take a purse or a bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. In other words, what you've got to do is travel light and stay really focused. That's the translation of that. Now, I want to get to verse 5 and and following, that these verses are where we want to spend some time, because Jesus gives us a strategy. Before we get to the strategy so far, what does Jesus say? He says, you're going to, I want you to go, and when you go, you're going to find people who are really receptive to what you have to say, and you're going to find people who are not. So that is the experience that Jesus says we should expect as we go. So here's the strategy. In verse 5, when you enter a house, uh, wherever you go, when you enter a house, 
first say to that house, so you're going to, I guess, knock on the door, and you're going to say, peace be to this house. And if a person of peace is there, your peace will rest on him or her. If not, it will return to you. And then you stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around. from. So stay, stay in that house. And you'll know if it's a place of peace. They'll be hospitable to you. Uh, they'll be curious about what you have to say. There will be an, a warmth and, an, and a kind of an openness to the message that you have to bring about Jesus Christ. Remember, Jesus has said this is what's going to happen. There's going to be people who really eat this up. And then there's going to be others who don't. And he goes on to say, and this is one of those verses that my mom, I, she quoted this all the time, uh, uh, eat whatever is put in front of you. <laughs> that was one Bible verse that my mom really, really liked. And if you're not, and if they don't receive you, it goes on, we won't read it, but if, if you're not received well, then you just move on and don't, and don't worry about it. Just go to the next place because the harvest is, is still ripe. Okay, there's my introduction to these women here. Come on up, guys, and we'll, we'll talk about this and see how it looks. So we're on the, the second question there. What does it look like? And I'll introduce Lori Bennell. Um, Lori, is, um, she's served here as a pastor in, in, a, in different ways. And, um, but the stories that we're talking about now, she was not a pastor at the time. I want you to hear that just because uh, this is, she's one of the 72 more than the 12, if you will. And, okay, Janine and JC and Julie. Do you have to be a J to be in this group? I, I wonder about no, that. No, Mark. Okay, all right. Okay. Um, so Lori, just to introduce, was... Oh, I'm going to give that to you. Yeah. Um, Lori was, when she moved here uh, 11 or 12 years ago, uh, she started a group called Peace Seekers. You're going to hear about how that started. But over the years, there were maybe 30 different women who came in and out of of that group. And you'll hear more of the story here. Why don't don't you tell tell us about that? And then how this passage is directly related to the people of peace thing. Yeah. Great. So when we moved here from Orange County, California about 12 years ago, I was familiar with this idea of people of peace and people watching for people who might who are welcoming to you and that might be open to the hope that Jesus has. And so I realized that there were about 10 or 12 women who were really welcoming to me. And I felt like, wow, this is, this is a lot, this is sort of overwhelming to connect with these women. And I was a state home mom, sure, but that was a lot of coffee dates, right, to connect with 10 to 12 people. And so uh, the idea of a group came up, and I'm thinking maybe my mom and dad are here from Minnesota today. It may have come into my mind because my mom was always hosting neighborhood Bible study groups, and I had to clean up my toys all the time as a kid when people were coming over. And um, and now Britta has groups she hosts in her apartment. But today we're really talking about not starting a group, but how we identify uh, people of peace in our own lives and what our response looks like, which may be different um, for you than starting a group. But in my case, I really felt led to start a group. And so I prayed about it, and I approached these women, and I said, I'm going to start a book club on Friday, and we're going to do this book, this book that nobody would want to read this book, right? Christ following, it looks really old, and for whatever reason, I really felt led to do this book. And every one of them said, yes, I'd love to come. And so as we gathered, it became pretty clear that there were a couple people people in the group that had pretty firm 
faith and background. Some people maybe had been to church, but they never had read the Bible. Other people had never even thought about God or Jesus and what that meant to them. And so um, we gathered uh, 11 years ago, and for many years I was involved, and a few years back I thought, well, there's a lot of capable leaders in this group. And so they've continued to meet, and um, I stepped out of that, but the group um, has touched many people's lives over the years. So... Um, I'm going to start, yeah. So, um, Janine, you're going to go first, right? Yep. Okay, you got your... So the question is, um, for, and I'm going to ask JC, JC the same question. So I understand that you guys were the um, original members. Yeah, carry that card with you. Yeah. <laughs> so they were, they were in on the ground floor. Uh, what did it mean to you to be invited into this group, and how has it shaped your life and your faith? Okay, I have a little blurb. Hope you don't mind if I read. When I was a young teenager, one of my friends invited me to their church on Sunday. I loved it and ended up going to my friend's church every Sunday and became part of the community. I was too young to drive, so my mom and dad, who were not church attenders, drove me and picked me up every week. Something happened at that church that turned me off to religion and church until I was well into adulthood. Fast forward, our daughter was a toddler at the time, and a neighbor was telling me about MOPS program here at Pine Lake Covenant. There were a couple of people I knew, so I thought I'd take a chance, and I loved it. We met every two weeks, and I got to eat breakfast uninterrupted with grown-ups. I... Uh, It was all about the food, fellowship, and fun. I learned invaluable things each week from the mentor moms like Lori. I experienced others that were struggling with the same things. As an understatement, I was enlightened. Before, I felt like I was the only one that did not have it all together. Mops helped me to see that we were all struggling in one way or another. Lori asked me to Peace Seekers, and it has changed my life. Shortly after the group started, one of of my children was at risk youth. I struggled with every aspect of parenting. I felt beaten down and broken. One of the most inspiring scriptures Lori gave to me was Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavily laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, I, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It is here that I learned to pray and to turn it over to God. I would come to Peace Seeker meetings feeling like I was holding on by a thread. I would leave feeling supported, loved, and ready to be strong for my family. I know I could not have made it through that period of our lives without Peace Seekers. I believe there was some divine intervention the day Lori asked me into this Bible study fellowship. One of the things that we have done as a group is go to the Covenant Retreat in the fall. At one of those retreats, the keynote speaker spoke of the struggles in her life. One of the things she said is that we can find things that are perfect and beautiful in the biggest struggle of our lives. I found friends, love, support, and most importantly, God, in the biggest struggle of my life. I do not know what my life would look like without Lori reaching out and extending an offer of fellowship. Cool. Okay. Cool. JC? Love that. Um, My journey with Peace Seekers actually started in a MOPS meeting. Um, I was new to this community, and I tried a lot of different things on, um, went to a lot of different groups. I was looking for people. I was looking for a place to feel welcome. And uh, one day Lori spoke. um, While I was at the time um, a mom of, I still am a mom of four, but they were young. (laughs) They were very young. And um, Lori spoke about... Uh, she used a, an example of a, a juice box, and she was poking holes in the juice box and squeezing it till everything was coming out. And she said, don't you feel like this sometimes? And 
for whatever reason, that's exactly, I just felt like sometimes it's just all pouring out. And I found her after that, and I said, that was so impactful to me. And it was a few weeks later, she came up to me then and said, and extended the invitation to Peace Seekers. And um, I, I said yes, and we started meeting in each other's homes, and she brought her book. And I was just, for the longest time, I was the worst student. I mean, I would always come and never did my homework, but I was still always welcome. And over time, I started doing my homework a little bit, and and then Lori kind of gave me the nudge, hey, Jeezy, why don't you pray for the group? And I was like, I'm, I don't pray out loud. I, or, or, hey, you want to lead next week? And again, that's not me. I don't lead, but... I started accepting those nudges, and um, when I was just seeking just girls and women who understood me, I started finding God in the midst of our meetings and, and in our homes, and sometimes we were in our pajamas, and sometimes, you know, as, as our kids got older, you could see that, you know, our, our meals elevated a little bit. I remember serving, I think, grapes and granola bars one time to these women. It was like, sorry. And then later, you know, um, as, as we, our kids got older and we had more time, yeah, then it would be like, oh, hey, here's a, you know, lovely casserole and all of that. But, um, but finding God was the big, the big thing. Why didn't I know that that's what I was going to find amongst these women as we shared our hearts and, um, I'm so grateful that I accepted that invitation that day. Okay, and uh, Julie, why don't you go ahead and take that. And Julie, you were um, invited into this, this group mm-hmm. by JC, right? Yeah. And what, what was the, how, how did you receive that invitation? Uh, I guess you were a person of peace, according to the text here. And then how has that changed you? Yeah. So um, I moved to Seattle from Michigan um, about seven years ago, and I had lived in Michigan my whole entire life. 45 years, and so all of my family and friends and everything I knew was back in Michigan. So my husband was offered a job out here, so we decided to pack up the family and move out. And of course, my husband was fine because he had his job and was staying busy, and the kids were fine because they had school and all kinds of fun things. But I wasn't so fine. Um, I felt myself being pretty isolated and lonely and um, wondering what was going to happen to me out here. And for some reason, unbeknownst to me, Miss JC invited me to her Bible study. And um, I was all too happy to accept. And the amazing thing to me is, is this group didn't need more people. It wasn't like it wasn't thriving already, and the relationships they already had were amazing. But Lori really felt strongly that every single year um, we all try to invite at least three, maybe four women to the group. And I just found that to be pretty incredible because I think sometimes when we're doing okay and we're feeling pretty comfortable in our little group and our life is fine, it's pretty hard to kind of open yourself up to new people and invite them in. So I thought that was pretty remarkable. And um, it's, it's truly a fact that we belong to each other. And just sharing a hug or a coffee or... 
I don't know, a conversation at church or in Starbucks, you never know how that's going to affect that person who might be really struggling to connect. And um, you never know. You might save someone and lead them to God by kind of stretching yourself in that way. Well, thank you so much. I got one more question, and maybe a couple of you can answer this one. But uh, what words of encouragement? I mean, we acknowledge that um, it's, it's, there, there is there are people, and they they're waiting for somebody to come and invite them to something, and it could be something small or something really big. But um, our own fears kind of get in the way sometimes to, in the inviting process. And so what encouragement would you give to someone who maybe is, is thinking about doing some inviting? Well, I, I would say you're, you're exactly right. It doesn't have to be big. You don't have to have this big master plan of starting this 11-year group. Um, it, it could be something just as small as taking a neighbor cookies or meeting somebody for coffee. And, um, yeah, you really just don't know what that invitation is going to do for a person. Um, for me, accepting that little invitation took me on this great journey with God and it taught me that um, the next time, maybe the next time I could be the inviter and um, it did happen. I did start um, a Bible study in my community and um, I went from being afraid to pray to um, extending that invitation and now there's women that, that can talk about you know getting the invitation. So it's a trickle. It's a trickle down. That's what. So start small. Do the little things. Okay. Mine started as a play date. We had two two-year-olds, and we started as a play date. We got to know each other, and then she invited me to mops. So I think sometimes, like you said, it's not this big thing. It's like, you know, there's pizza night on Tuesdays, or there's the packing event. You know, it's like there's no commitment for somebody that's not... Um, doesn't know God yet so it's like okay come to this packing event bring your family and it's like you get to know them that way yeah versus this great big come to church it feels overwhelming yeah thanks um Lori wanna and I think for me I mean this has been uh, you know such a blessing in my life all these women and um it's really clear that God just wants us to bring our little lunch right and he multiplies it and multiplies it beyond what we can imagine and so I just encourage you to watch for those people of peace okay I want to say thank you can you give them a hand yep Thank you so much. You know, that's that's what it might look like. It's going to be different, a little different for everybody. But um, thank you guys. So what do we do? Third question, and I just want to, it's mostly this is mostly reviewing where we've been. But Jesus says it's very clear that two-letter word that starts with a G and ends with an O. What's that spell? Go, go right. So um, there is to, to to go from stopping to starting to from where we are to, to going somewhere is going to require some faith. And he says that it's going to be hard. Well, let's put it this way. It's going to be good, but it's going to be hard. There are people who are really, really hungry because they're really, really lonely. They're really, really isolated. You heard the stories here. The, there's a hunger there. And those are people of peace that you have in your world. And to, to tap into, listen to, to listen to hearts, to listen to sensitively to people's real needs, you can tap into that hunger. And those are, that's where you'll, you'll find um, 
fruit. But the other reality that Jesus talks about is the reality of the wolves. And they're out there, and they will, you will be shut down, you will be rejected. So I wanted to, and by the way, who just loves rejection here? Come on. Oh, one person back. Oh, Marcy, okay, we'll talk later, we'll pray. Uh, right. Uh, most of us are uh, rejection averse, and um, I wanted to read verse 16 again for you. He, um, Jesus says, he who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects you rejects me. So it's, Jesus is saying, look, what they're really doing, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. You're talking about me, it's my kingdom is coming, it's not your kingdom. And so we're just messengers. Don't shoot the messenger, we can sort of say that to ourselves, because it's really about, about Jesus. And he... He's used to rejection, but he's also used to people embracing him. But when he's rejected, you know what he does? He just keeps on loving. The time factor here is not all of this stuff unfolded in one day. There's a lot of time, a lot of prayer, a lot of patience that is part of the process. And that was true for me as well. So as you you think, uh, you know, how does does it think? Well, here's here's three uh, living examples. But we're all living examples of, of God's grace trickling down into our hearts. None of us would be here if we hadn't experienced something like this. I mean, our stories are all different, but... Uh, we need to encourage each other by speaking our stories out. We are hungry. We are seeking peace. There are people seeking peace around us all the time. And it's something that only Jesus can do. Jesus puts you in that place where only you can be the, the conduit to somebody else. He, he, he trusts you with that mission. You have, you have a network of friends that no one else has. Literally that same combination. And so uh, he sends you out as a lamb to those, but he is the Lamb of God. He is the one who can make it happen. Are you up for the task? And don't answer out loud. We're going to pray that through right now. Are you up for it? This is the calling of God upon our lives. Let's pray together. Lord, as we look into our hearts, we are um, we're a little bit, we're all in different places. Some of us are, are further along in this whole thing than others. And um, we just lift our hearts to you wherever we are. And wherever the fears are uh, in regard to sharing you, Lord, with others, that's where we want to focus our prayers right now. Would you look at those fears as we lift them up to you, as we're honest with ourselves, lifting up our fears to you, would you, with your laser vision, focus in on those fears and surround them with your love that makes those fears shrink? And, Lord, give us love for the people, greater love for the people that you have put into our relational uh, networks. And Lord, give us courage and faith to invite people. uh, Help us to see people of peace when they're around us. And Lord, we remember uh, how great your love is for, for us. And without that, we can do nothing. So, Lord, have your way with us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.